And we're going to look tonight, and I told Melanie today, what an, what a, what an unbelievable, I don't, know, I don't believe in coincidences, but that I would be on this one tonight in uh, the 23rd Psalm, verse 4, the valley of the shadow. It's so encouraging, and we're learning about our shepherd. I want all of you to know you have a shepherd. Now, I'm an under-shepherd, and the pastoral staff are under-shepherds, but the great shepherd of the sheep is the Lord Jesus. And he is a genuine shepherd, and we're going to see that tonight. So let's pray, and then you're going to be able to be seated. Lord, we thank you tonight that you are our shepherd. And though we walk through a valley, you are with us, and your rod and staff, they comfort us. Lord, tonight, we ask you to speak to us. Give us a fresh revelation on Jesus as our shepherd. And we thank you for it in your name. Amen. Now, stay standing long enough to read it with me out loud like you're preaching to me. Let me hear you. And then we're going to go through verse 4 and stop. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, here we go. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thank you, Lord, for the power of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you've got a shepherd tonight. Now, we've been approaching this uh, this way. Uh, we're, we're looking at some writings from some real shepherds, real genuine shepherds who shepherded real sheep because we have in the Bible been likened unto sheep. Bah, right? All of us. All we like sheep, we went astray. Every one of us turned to his own way. And what did that own way get us? It got us in trouble. It got us in sin. It got us ensnared. It got us in bondage. It got us cast. And if you didn't get it last week, you weren't here for the message on cast sheep, please get it. Because you need to understand this about what happens to us and how it goes with us as God's sheep and some of the dangers uh, that are there. Now, tonight we're going to open up with just looking at what a real shepherd has said about real shepherding, real sheep. It says, during the summer months, most good shepherds will take their flocks onto distant ranges. This entails long journeys or, quote, drives. By late summer, they're well upon the high mountain meadows. As autumn approaches, the early snow begins to fall on the highest ridges, forcing the sheep back down to lower elevations. Now, finally, towards the end of the year, as fall passes by, the sheep are driven home to the ranch headquarters where they're going to spend the winter. It's this time period that is described in the last half of the 23rd Psalm. So verses 4 through 6 are dealing with this that we just described, uh, coming down off the mountain. And if you're coming down off the mountain, what are you headed towards? Valleys. Now, during this descent from the mountaintop, the sheep are the most intimately in contact with their shepherd. They are under his constant personal attention day and night. And why would this be? 
because it's in the descent that the sheep are led through the valleys. Now again, we're sheep. We're following a shepherd. And we're going to look tonight at inescapable facts of our spiritual walk. This is what's going to happen with everybody in this room. There's going to be mountaintops and there's going to be valleys. And that's just the Christian life. You say, well, I don't, I don't receive that. I don't care if you receive it or not. You're still going to have some valleys. Okay? Now, we in the Christian life, and, you, and by the way, you want them. You do want the valleys, and we're going to see why. We in the Christian life often talk about the glorious mountaintop experiences, and we love them, don't we? Those mountaintop, those glory experiences, we love those, don't we? We speak of going from glory to glory, mountaintop to mountaintop. We long for those blissful experiences of experiencing God's power, and we should. And I love God's power. We long to see His majesty, His mighty provision. We want those mountaintops of when God breaks through and shows Himself mighty. And it seems like we're just floating on the blessing of God. We love that, and we should. Ascending the heights of abundant life. But as with sheep, so with us. There are no mountaintops without valleys. Remember that. Can we say that together? There are no mountaintops without valleys. It's not going to happen. To go from mountaintop to mountaintop necessitates going from valley to valley. It's like a bike ride. I ride, I cycle all the time, and I guarantee you, there's always hills. And you know what you like about those hills? Getting to the top. Because once you have gone up, you're going to go. Now, in cycling, you like the valleys a whole lot because you're going downhill. But it's that way with all of life. There's mountaintops, there's valleys. And uh, the valleys are in between the mountaintops. Now, every mountain has its valleys. In fact, the best route to the top is through the valleys. And the sheep know this. The shepherd knows this. This is why David, an experienced shepherd, focuses on the valleys halfway through his psalm. He starts out, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm not going to want anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters. It's so glorious. That's the first half. Then comes the second half. Uh-oh, what happened to the green pastures and the still waters and this incredible provision? Yea, though I walk through the valley. As a shepherd, he had led his flock through many a dark valley. And thank God he said, though I walk through the valley. I want you all to know, some of you are in a valley tonight. And can I give you some news? This too shall pass. You're not going to pitch tent there, build a house there. You're going through. You're going through there. You know why? Because of who has your hand. And he's not only the Lord of the mountaintops, he's the Lord of the valleys. So he's going to carry you through. Now we do often minister this beautiful psalm to the dying, and I read this psalm to Tom. But even they are not going to stay in their valley. You know what? Tom is out of his valley right now. And he's in the highest mountaintop. And in heaven, praise God, there are no valleys. Death for the child of God is not an end. It's a door to a higher and a more exalted place. Amen. Now here's the principle. 
The shepherd leads the flock through the valley, for it's the valley pathways that lead to the next mountaintop. Now, for those of us yet on earth, there are many valleys yet to walk through in this brief life. There are valleys of disappointment. Some of you are in one right now. Valley of frustrations. You're frustrated over your finances, over your job situation, or your marriage, or your children. Something's got you frustrated. You're really on earth. You still have skin on you. You're a human being. And there's times of disillusionment where things don't go the way you thought they were going to go. What then? Then you have to know the shepherd still has your hand. He still has it. Dilemmas. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? To whom will I turn? Valleys. Most will experience some very dark and difficult days somewhere along the way. You will. But what David's telling us is, yea, though I walk through that valley, I'm not going to be afraid of evil triumphing. Because of who is carrying me through it. David reminds us that we are passing through. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to pass. Cheer up. Make, make them up, smile at you a minute. Some of you look like if you smiled, your face would crack. I want you to smile. Come on. All right. Some of you need to inform your face that it still can smile. Now, it's good to say when experiencing a valley, say it with me, this too shall pass. Can we try it again? This too shall pass. The Bible portrays the life of the obedient child of God to be one of being helped and held by him in the valley and led out to a new place of sunshine and promise. And that's what the Bible says, isn't it? The path of just is like the shining light. The path of the just person is like the shining light that shines brighter and brighter until he reaches the perfect day. David said in Psalms 27, I, ha I can't tell you how often I've anchored my soul on this one right here. Let's read it together. David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now read on with me. Wait on the Lord. Preach it to me, church. Say it again. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Give him a hand of praise tonight. Come on. The Hebrew there actually says, wait in faith on the Lord. Because he's going to strengthen your heart. Now, David knew that even though times were tough and the valley dark, the Lord would show to him his goodness. And I tell you tonight, though the times are tough, the Lord will show you his goodness if you wait in faith on him and believe you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land, not of the dead, but of the living. I could almost preach and forget the rest of this tonight, but I've got to go through this psalm. Amen. I mean, I could park right there and preach the rest of the night because I love that psalm. Now, therefore, wait in faith for the Lord to act. Put on courage like a warm winter coat. God will strengthen your heart, and he's going to lead you to the next mountaintop. Now, a second reason the shepherd leads his sheep through a valley is the valley way is the well-watered route. I love that. Did you know that? Walking through the valley is where the sheep discover rivers, streams, springs, quiet pools, in the deep ravines. Let me ask you a question. When, now, be honest tonight. When do you read your Bible best? In good times or trying times? Trying times. Or we could say, when I'm in the 
valley. That's when you dig into that word. You wish you dug into the word like that all the time, but you've got to get into a valley before you say, well, I think there's some water in that word. You find that the valley times are the best times because of the way you seek God when you're in the valley. As Christians, we will soon discover it's the valley experiences that we find refreshment from God himself. Has that been true for you? Have you noticed the Lord just eases up to you in the valley in a special way? i got to tell you from personal experience, I've discovered over and over again, God is able to water me in the valley with his word and with his spirit. If I seek him, he will water my soul. In fact, it's the valley experiences that drive us deeper into his word and prayer than we would normally go in good times. And not only does he water us there, but we emerge from our valleys with a greater ability, and I love this, to console, to comfort, and encourage others who are also in a valley. You know why you're going through a hard time right now, some of you? Because there is somebody waiting on the other side of your valley. Somebody's waiting. And when you walk through what you're in, through faith, and you experience God in the valley, and He heals you up and encourages you and speaks to you, and you get to the other side, somebody's going to be waiting. And they're in a valley. And you know what you're going to have for them? Look what Paul wrote, 2 Timothy, or Corinthians 1, 3 to 5. All praise to the God and Father. This is the Message Bible. All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. I learned a long time ago, God doesn't bless me just for me. God blesses me knowing who I'm going to encounter later, and he'll bless me so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. He's always got somebody else in mind. He always kills two birds with one stone. When God blesses you, it's a domino reaction. Somebody's waiting in your family. Somebody's waiting at your, uh, at your job. Somebody's waiting somewhere for you to walk through that valley and come out on the other side. You've got a testimony. And how do you get a testimony? A test and some moaning. That's where testimonies come from. <laughs> Amen. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah. Paul goes on. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. Isn't God good? So the Christian has an, such an edge on somebody that doesn't know God, and I don't say that condescendingly at all. None of us would know God apart from grace. But here's the edge that somebody who is brought into grace has. God never wastes a pain. Everything we go through is redeemed by God and counts for the glory of God. Now, a third reason the shepherd will carry his flock through a valley is this one. It's where the richest feed is to be found. Generally, the choicest meadows are in these valleys along the stream banks. The sheep feed to the full as they move back towards the high country. There may be towering cliffs above them on either side. The valley floor itself may be in dark shadow 
with the sun seldom reaching the bottom except for a few hours before noon. In other words, it is gloomy. And that's why David said it's called the valley of the shadow. Because in the valley where the sheep are taken in the Middle East, in those valleys, those pathways leading back up to the mountaintops, there's cliffs on either side and the sun doesn't make it. So as you're going through it, it's literally a shadowy valley. But you know why there's a shadow? Because a light is shining. If there weren't a light shining, you wouldn't have a shadow. A shadow is evidence. Light is shining. So though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I'm not going to fear evil because he's with me. The shepherd well knows that predators like coyotes, bears, wolves, or cougars can hide in the broken cliffs and prey on the flock. And rock slides, flash floods, mudslides, and all kinds of natural disasters are commonplace in the valley. When you're winding along those pathways where it's shadowy, headed up towards another mountaintop, yet the shepherd still leads them through that valley. He knows he's taking them to another high country. And Jesus knows where he's taking you and me. And can we pray and, and, and ask God to help us to see the hand of God, the hand of providence in what we go through. Because he's carrying you. He's got your hand. And you know what? He's got your back. He also knows that at no other time will the bond of trust be built more tightly than in the valley as we experience his deliverance and guidance through those valleys. That's when you learn to trust the Lord. How many of you can say, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. How are you ever going to know what God can do until you need him to do it? How are you ever going to know he can walk you through something until he does? We will one day reach the place of saying with David, Come what may, I will fear no evil. You know what I like here? I'm going to stop just real quickly. Simon Peter. Here he is in front of that little damsel woman. He's followed Jesus for three years. Here's this little damsel woman, a little girl, teenage girl more than likely. She says, you are with him. He, he denies Jesus three times, the third time with cursing. Terrified of a little teenage girl recognizing him in the hour of trial. But later, when he's walked through some valleys and Jesus has walked him through them to the other side, they arrest him. They throw him in prison. He thinks he may be martyred the very next day. But he goes to sleep so deeply that night, an angel has got to swat him with a sword to wake him up. The early Simon Peter, terrified, nervous, worrywart, fearful. The later Simon Peter, sleeping in the oven. What did that? If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve it. And now that I've been through a few valleys, I've learned I will fear no evil. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now in the Middle East, let's talk about the rod and the staff a minute. In the Middle East, the shepherd carries only a rod and staff when in the field with his flock. Uh, each shepherd boy, and I, I really got blessed learning this, from the time he first starts to tend his father's flock, takes special pride in the selection of a rod and a staff 
exactly suited to his own size and strength. He goes into the bush and selects a young sapling, which is dug from the ground, and then carves and whittles it down with great care and patience. This shepherd boy. The sapling is shaped to exactly fit the owner's hand. After completing it, the young shepherd will spend hours practicing with this club. What's he practicing? Throwing it and hitting a target with deadly accuracy. Learning how to throw it with amazing speed. I mean, they can hurl that rod. Now, eventually the shepherd will master throwing the rod a great distance. The rod eventually becomes an extension of the owner's own right arm. Now, follow the metaphor here, because this is a a physical picture of spiritual truth about God. Watch this. That rod becomes an extension of the shepherd's right hand and his right arm. It symbolizes his strength, his power, and his authority. That rod. And the sheep begin to associate that rod with that shepherd's strength and power and his authority as their shepherd. They begin to connect that rod with him totally. Now, the rod became the shepherd's tool of choice, first of all, in protecting the flock from dangerous predators. Do you remember it was the rod in Moses' hand that God said to him, what's that in your hand? He said, well, it's it's a rod. He said, throw it down. It became a serpent. He said, now pick up the serpent again. It became a rod. He said, every time you hold out that rod, I'm going to do a wonder and a miracle. All right? It was the rod in Moses' hand that demonstrated the power vested in Moses. It was through Moses' rod that miracles were made manifest, not only to convince Pharaoh of Moses' divine commission, But when the people of God saw him working these miracles with that extended rod, it comforted the sheep. It comforted them. Now, what is the rod a picture of? Well, it speaks of the spoken word. Can you you grab your Bible? I want you to hold it up. Hold up your Bible. I want you to say with me, this is the rod of God. It is an extension of his right hand. It represents his authority, his power, his healing. He sent his word and healed them. That's what it says. So a shepherd had the rod you have in your hand, the rod of God, which is the word. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is not a normal word. This is the rod of God. This is it right here. And does the rod of God not comfort you? And doesn't it terrify the enemy? For the Christian, therefore, the rod in the hand of our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus, is the Word of God. I love the way John begins his book. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was very God. Who was the Word? The Word was Jesus. He was God's Word. And the the Bible in our hands, thank God for it. I'm eternally grateful for it. I'm a broken record with you folks, but I say to you again tonight, I don't want to be in a world without a Bible. I love this Word. There have been nights I've gone to sleep with it just like this. I want it right close to my heart. I memorize it. I meditate in it. 
I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I do it because I know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I have found that when I'm up against a problem, a mountain, a valley, an enemy, when I extend that rod and I quote the word into the situation, it is God's authority and it is God's power and it is God's healing. Oh, that Christians would know how to use this rod of God. The spoken word carries authority. Oh, the devil doesn't want to hear you say it is written. And that's how Jesus defeated him. It is written, it is written, it is written. The rod of God. The scriptures are God's rod. They are the extension of his mind, his will, and his intent towards you and me. They rebuke the ultimate predator. This book rebukes the ultimate predator, the devil, and sends him fleeing. He doesn't fear anything. He doesn't fear you. He doesn't fear me. But he fears the Word of God. He, I tell you, he fears the rod of God. This Word convicts the heart, illuminates the mind, and guides the saint to safe harbor. Are you confused? Read the Word. Are you discouraged? Read the Word. Are you down? Read the Word. Are you blue? Read the Word. A second aspect of the rod is its use in the arena of, of discipline. If the shepherd saw a sheep wandering away on its own or approaching poisonous weeds or getting too close to danger of any kind, here's what would happen. That sheep would hear a whistling coming towards it. And it didn't last long. The club would go whistling through the air to send the string animal dashing back to the flock. Anybody ever felt that rod? Come on, y'all. You, you go ahead and you stray a little bit. You think you're getting away with something until all of a sudden you hear a slight whistle. God has his way and co-op. And I'll guarantee you, you'll come running back to the flock quick. I see it happen all the time. We have people down here every Sunday running back to the flock. What happened? The rod whooped them. People say to me, well, I, what about so-and-so? They're out there, and, 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 uh, and what's going to happen to them? I say, God has a woodshed. And I'm telling you, you don't want to visit the woodshed because God does not slap your hand. God will hurl that rod. And I guarantee when he hit that strange sheep, this is a, that long, that that carved out whittled down rod would smack that sheep you think he didn't get back quick when God chastens you you don't have to ask somebody have I been chastened <laughs> say with me God has a woodshed don't go there if you can avoid it so it is with God's rod his mighty word it is rightly said that God's word will keep you from sin it will. It's the Word of God that the Holy Spirit sends flying into our hearts with surprising suddenness to correct and reprove us. And that's the way it happens. You're straying, you're getting away from the flock, you're kind of drifting, getting out of church and getting out of prayer, and the world is starting to appeal to you, and you're like the prodigal son sitting in Father's house, and the devil convinces you there's something out there. What lured that prodigal to leave the father's house. He became convinced something was out there worth pursuing. So he said, I'm, I'm bored in the father's house, tired of the father's house, tired of the father, tired of my brother, tired of being here. I'm going to go see what's out there. Well, how did he end up? He ended up poverty. He ended up in rags. 
He ended up eating pig's food. He ended up betrayed. He ended up heartbroken. He ended up depressed. He ended up desperate. Because don't fool yourself, there's nothing out there in the world better than God. It's an illusion. It's a mirage in the desert. Paul told Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's used for, for teaching and then what? Rebuking and correcting. It's God's rod. You stray and that word, the Holy Spirit will bring the word to you. Walk! There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Walk! Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. Be not mocked, or be not deceived. God is not mocked. That word will grab you by the neck, talk to you, swatch you, club you until you rob. I've got to get back to God. A third way the rod of God's word is used to our benefit is to examine and count the sheep. This is really special to me here. In the terminology of the Old Testament, this is referred to as passing under the rod. Pretend I have a, a, a rod here, okay, and, 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 and this, is, this is what it means. The picture provided here is touching. As each animal comes out of the corral and goes through the gate, it is stopped by the shepherd's outstretched rod. He stops that sheep before he can go any further. And then what happens? He opens the thick fleece of that sheep with the rod, and he runs his skillful hands over that sheep's body. He feels for any signs of trouble. He examines the sheep with care to see that all is well. The sheep gets a shepherd inspection. I know you see the metaphor. Here's God's rod. And when you open it in the morning, he parts your soul with it. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged, razor-sharp sword. What does it do? Pierces the dividing asunder, the parting of soul and spirit. And of the joints and the marrow. And it discerns for you the thoughts and motivations and hidden intents of your heart. It filters through your soul like a fine-tooth comb. So that every day, God wants us to have a shepherd inspection. You ought not get 20, more than 24 hours away from a shepherd inspection. Are y'all with me? You ought not get... Don't just... Hey, if the only time you get a shepherd inspection is Sunday morning... You need stronger Christianity. You need to open this. Here's the rod of God. You, I never open it that it does not begin to part the fleece of my soul. And it will point out this and point out that and point out the other. And there's times I have to repent. There are times I just sit and rejoice over God's word. There are times I say, wow. I mean, my Bible is so written up. Wow. Uh, 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 praise God, uh, amen, uh, double wow, triple wow. I mean, all kinds, because every time I open it, it parts the fleece of my soul. And we need that because we will naturally drift from God. You put your Bible down and don't read it. And it's not a matter of if, it's when you begin to drift. Because the fleece, that, the fleece of a sheep is thick. It's involved. And it takes that rod to part it and let him in to check the skin, check for disease, check for parasites, check for problems. Happens every morning when you open up the Word of God. I love the Word of God and this particular aspect of the ministry of the Word. Do you read it every day? Do you let the Lord give you a shepherd inspection every day? 
This is exactly what takes place when we open the pages of God's Word. Through His Word, the Great Shepherd runs His hands over our soul, checking for the disease of unconfessed sin, healing broken hearts, renewing our minds, making certain we are well. You want to stay sharp spiritually? Be in that Word every day. No doubt David had this process in mind of the the shepherd inspection. When he wrote Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God. Let's read it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. What's he asking for? Shepherd inspection. The rod coming down, stopping you at the gate, checking you out. Doesn't the Bible say, but let a man examine himself? Now let's talk about the staff, and we're going to close. Y'all being blessed tonight? Oh, I love healthy sheep. I'm one too. And I can tell when you're healthy because you're smiling, you're talking, you're fellowshipping, and that's what you look like when you go to the restaurants, and it's a good testimony. After church, where in the world have you been? Turning Point Church, hallelujah. Have you ever met somebody that just left a dead church? Hey, where'd you go today? Oh, man. I sat through a parking lot sermon. What's that? By the time you get to your car, you forget what was said. No, we need life. We need the Word. We need to be fed, don't we? Now, the staff, we're going to close with this on the other hand. This is precious. Identifies the shepherd as a shepherd more than any other thing. No one in any other profession carries a shepherd's staff. It is unique only to a shepherd of sheep. The staff is ultimately used in the life of a sheep for comfort. Whereas the rod speaks of his authority, the staff speaks of his long-suffering and his kindness. Amen. Are you all thankful for the staff? Well, we know what it is, don't we? It's normally a long, slender stick with a crook or a hook on one end. We think of somebody who's a terrible, terrible singer or who's a terrible orator, and that long shepherd staff comes out and grabs them by the neck and pulls them back behind the curtains. We think of that? Okay. Just as the Word of God is symbolic of the rod, the staff of God is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. While the staff comforts the sheep, God's Spirit is called the Comforter. I say I don't want to be in the world without a Bible. I do not want to be in a world without the Holy Spirit. I don't know how people do it. Well, I do know how they do it. They smoke something, drink something, shoot something, snort something. What a hellacious place to be without the Word and without the Holy Spirit. There are three areas of sheep management in which the staff plays a crucial role. Let's just skip over them real quick. First, the staff is used in drawing sheep together into an intimate relationship, fellowship together. Often a shepherd will literally lift a newborn lamb with the crook of that staff and place it in close proximity to the mother. He drops that newborn lamb into fellowship, into relationship, into intimacy with that mother. And the shepherd will also use his staff to place the crook around the neck of a straying sheep and tug it back into the fold where it's with the fold and not alone. I'm going to tell you, as a pastor of 27 years now, I've seen 
I think about everything you can see in a local church. Let me tell you, never have I seen somebody stray away from a flock and get out there alone and make the statement that they don't need local church, but they'll get it on TV. Never have I seen them do as well. Never. I can't think of one that did not end up cool towards God or off in some weird thing because we need one another. I need you and you need me. We keep each other sharp. Uh, we are to exhort one another even as we see the day approaching. And you get out there alone, it's like the brother said in the video last Sunday. He said, you get a burning ember alone, it goes out. But you get a burning ember with a bunch of other burning embers and you've got a fire. And that's the way it is with church. You can't drift and do well. You just can't do it. And so who gets us in fellowship? The Holy Spirit, God's staff. Likewise, the Holy Spirit draws God's people into a warm, personal fellowship with one another. doesn't even matter if you're naturally shy, whatever. I was. I was a total introvert, a total recluse, and God got me into fellowship. Now I love the people. I love being in church. Kathy is always waiting outside for me. I'm the last one out of the building. I like smelling like sheep. <laughs> what a... That's going out over all over the Midwest and Palm Springs and Vegas. All right. But I do. Because, the, and, and why are you here? The Holy Spirit, the staff, drew you here. Second, the staff is used for guiding sheep. Aren't you glad for that? Over and over again, a shepherd can be seen using his staff to guide his sheep gently into a new path or through some gate or along dangerous, difficult routes. He'll use that staff to keep him on the path. And isn't that what the Holy Spirit does for you and me? All it takes is for the shepherd to lay the tip of his staff against the animal's side. And the pressure guides that sheep in the way that the owner desires. He knows the touch of the staff. And he says, oh, I'm, I'm straying. I need to pull in tighter onto that narrow path that leads to life. And when we stray, isn't it the staff, the Holy Spirit, that nudges you, nudges me, says get back in get back in get back in get back in likewise it's the holy spirit that gently nudges god's people this is the way he says walk in it and as we comply what happens peace floods our soul finally and lastly the staff is used by the shepherd to reach out and draw the sheep closer to himself mm. sometimes one will see a shepherd hold his staff against the side of some sheep simply to let it know that he's there. They will walk along this way almost as though it were hand in hand. Quick testimony, I'll close with this. Two weeks ago, Melanie was feeding Tom. He hadn't talked in weeks. And... She's sitting there, used to it being, you know, one way, just talking to him. And all of a sudden, he said, the Holy Spirit is in this place. Out of nowhere, she said, what? He said, the Holy Spirit is in this place. What was that? It was the staff. Nudging his side, saying, I'm here. You're not alone. I'm with you. 
Then he said, Adonai. Hebrew for God. I believe even when somebody's comatose and they're a child of God. I prayed over him every time I went over there. God, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with him. I believe in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Paul said that. The koinonia fellowship. It's that real. When you walk with God, it's that real. To be treated this way by the shepherd is to know comfort in a deep dimension. Likewise, in our walk with God, we are told explicitly by Jesus that it would be His Spirit who would be sent to guide us and to lead us into all truth. His Spirit is, as it were, right next to us, assuring us of His presence and His care. How often has His wonderful Spirit suddenly seemed to touch you, think about it, as if to say, I'm here. I'm guiding and keeping you. You're not in this alone. I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to get you to the other side. This is not just your fight, it's mine. And I'm going to win. And I'm going to work this together for your good, for my glory. And that's it. You are mine, says the shepherd. Can you say with me, thank God for the rod and staff that comforts us. Amen. Let's stand together. Give the Lord a hand of praise. He's good. Amen. Come on, everybody. Let's worship him. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord, that as we walk through that valley, along that winding path to our next mountaintop experience, you protect us from the predators. Your light is there, and you're going to guide us to the other side. Thank you, Lord, for that rod of discipline, that rod that drives back the predators. Thank you for the staff, Lord, that comforts us. Thank you, Lord God, that you are our shepherd. We shall not want. God, Thank you, Lord. Sing it with me, everybody. So good. Thank you, Lord. 